Okay. Uh, the date of recording is Friday, April 17th, 2020. Um, I understand that the subject matter can be triggering. So if there are points where you would like to take a break or skip a question, please feel free to do so. Um, my name is Joshua Miller. Could you state your name for the record? Lily Tapa. And could you also state your date of entry into your year of entry into um, Goucher College? Um, fall twenty seventeen. Okay, so for the first segment, we're going to be focusing on some background matter about before and your entry into Goucher and how you feel about it. First, where do you come from? Like, how would you describe your background and what was your life like before attending Goucher? Okay, um, I'm from the DMV area, specifically Silver Spring, Maryland. I come from an Ethiopian household, so um, growing up, I went to private school for most of my life up till high school. Um, both places or both spaces in my life were diverse, but then um, also there was this dynamic of like black and brown students and a predominantly white staff. So um, that's been consistent throughout my life. What else about myself? Um, like just how I'm nav- how I navigated that is kind of the question. Yeah. Um, I guess when I think of my multiple identities, it was weird because I don't know about other households, but I don't think my house really had like a conversation about like who we are. It's kind of like you find out on your own. Like, for example, um, if I said something that was out of line to my mom, one thing she loved telling me was, <laughs> you may go to school here in America, but remember when you're back in this house, you're on Ethiopian soil. So that identity of being a first-generation um, Ethiopian child, like navigating American culture and Ethiopian culture, um, a period of like denying my Ethiopian culture, I guess more my middle school somewhat of my high school years just because caring about your culture was somewhat uncool, I guess. Which is it's weird to say that because I come from a very diverse area, especially my area of being <laughs> with a lot of Ethiopians. I guess when it comes to public school you're mixed with everyone, so you're not just, like, the Ethiopian kid. You're, you're multiple things, I guess, if I'm making sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my identity as, like, a woman or just, like, a girl into a woman. Um, like, the little things here and there, like, dress codes, the way, like, people would treat you because you're a girl, that kind of stuff would come up, like, in both cultures, like, American and Ethiopian um like what should a girl be doing what shouldn't a girl be doing um before Goucher 
like literally in the couple years right before Gauchers when like blackness was like really in my mind um I think not only because of what was going on such as um not only because of what was going on like the um I mean, people think all of a sudden police were just killing everybody, but um, it was happening all the time. It was just getting caught in the media. And then also me, I guess, because of that, just becoming very aware of, like, how people treated me and talked to me. Um, Sorry, I wasn't expecting this question in a weird way. Um, you need a minute? No, I'm, I'm okay. I think I'm just trying to... I guess maybe this has to do with my upbringing, really. Um, sometimes when I think about my past, you know when your mind is like going about 300 like, miles per hour, there's so many thoughts happening once you don't even know what to say first. That's that's what I think mm. when I think of my upbringing. Because there are things that I wasn't aware of that I realized years later that I'm s- still trying to understand, if that makes sense. Um, so coming to Goucher, um, like... I wasn't clueless on who I was. It was more of, I have all of this information about my upbringing, my past, the experiences I had between me and other institutions and people. What do I do? And I guess... I don't even know how to answer this question. What you're given, what you're given is so far is definitely good. Thanks. Uh, it's like if I could just, just <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what what to say. Like I just think like right now the word messy is just coming up in my head, and it's not like when I think when people think, oh, you had a messy upbringing, they think. You know, I moved to different, like, places in life that, um, you know, I had a terrible, like, breakup in a family. No, messiness in, like, I guess, in other ways. Um, battling being that first-generation student. Like, when I think of the biggest battle of being a first-gen, like, in my family, it's, um, making making my parents like leaving everything behind worth it Mm. when I think of and I feel like that just ties into blackness as well I think not just being a first gen but I'm a black first gen so um knowing how people view foreigners and view like just immigrants in general and seeing those stereotypes put out and then on top of that um like being black and there's already these racist like point of views of black students you know not being seen as good enough or even if you 
work twice as hard. You have to, you're just seen as good enough as the mediocre white kid. That definitely, especially before Goucher, is something I battled with. I was in a lot of like the honors and AP classes. And even though my high school, my high school has a history of being a predominantly white school, which is kind of funny since it was named after UB Blake, which is a famous black musician. But when I got to that high school, it became a predominantly black and brown um, school. But we still had like white kids coming from the other part of a different part of my county. It was my county is really weird with the way they mix students around to make it seem like we're diverse. I mean, we are a diverse area, but not in the sense of we're always around each other. Um, so in, even though my, so I guess going back to my high school, my high school was, is predominantly black and brown school. But when it came to the, like, honors, especially AP classes, it truly felt like I was in a white institution. Um, which was interesting because I struggled talking in class. Now, if you see me in a gouger class, it's not that hard to see me talk. There are people who probably look at me waiting for me to shut up, and I won't. But then, um, I think the reason, one of the reasons why, besides like, confidence issues and everything else that needs to be talked about in therapy, um, I think being in a space where I don't see myself very often is probably one of the main reasons why I was so afraid to talk and the funny thing is in those AP classes is where gender and race and privilege was talked about and if the, something was going on in our country and our, in, in the world that we brought up in class that I would hear these white students opinions I'll never forget I mean who will we'll forget the 2016 election um my school was one of those schools that everyone was quiet for pretty much the whole day um, because, I mean, most of their demographic, like I, or speaking for myself, I felt a huge loss. And we talked, I remember in my AP Lit class, we talked about it, or at least, well, white students in my class talked about it. And these students were surprised. They were like, oh my gosh. I can't believe Trump won. And then someone brought up, like, you know, the stuff that, you know, the the recordings leaked out about um, what he said about this one woman and everything else that he's done. And I remember being fed up, <laughs> and I just, like, told the girl, <laughs> I was like, Lee, he's white. Like, I literally just said it straight there. And then this white girl paused, <laughs> looked at me, and she's like, yeah, well, but, and then kept going. And I think that was the funniest thing. I think that's when <laughs> I realized that white liberals and white conservatives were the same. <laughs> or, like, come on, how are you going to overlook his white male p privilege? Why do you think that recording was going to let him go? I mean, y'all still talk about Thomas, um, what's his face? Actually, any Thomas, any white man in history that we've talked good about, they are... <laughs> known for stealing, for raping, for sexually abusing, for ruining people's lives, and yet we still consider them heroes, what made you think, and there's proof on it, and so what made you think that Trump wasn't going to get away with it?
So it felt weird because I think <laughs> I I don't want to speak for all first gen and black students, but I guess so. I'm speaking for myself. It's like things that I didn't need to take a class for that became common sense for me that made sense. It was weird to see other students not see that as common sense. Um, like, hey, you know, that person who came from a different country should not be seen as a criminal. Mm. Common sense to someone else, but they illegally came here. Like, that's weird. But, um, but in a weird way, I think I'm kind of thankful for putting myself in those spaces because that at least gave me a one-on-one prep course on what I was going to deal with when I came to college. So I think I answered this question. I think so. Yeah, I think it was good. But um, in light of that, because you already touched upon elements of what it means to you to be a first-gen student, especially a first-gen black student, um... I was wondering, like, were you excited by the opportunity um, to attend, like, college? And maybe what motivated you to attend Goucher in particular? Okay. Um, so, college has been spoken in my house before I even knew what it was. I feel like every first gen, every immigrant family, kids of immigrants can say that. Like, before they could walk, they they could pronounce the word college because that's the goal to get an education. My mom says you need to get anywhere in life. You need education. She said, she always says how she wishes that she was brought here at a younger age. So she could at least get something a bit more like my sister and I will. My dad came here and he got a bachelor's degree in business. So I guess to FAFSA, I am technically not a first gen, but in my eyes I am because my my dad's not a doesn't own a business, if that makes sense. Um, it's not easy for people who come from a different country, even if they have you know, the education, the degree right in their right hand and their goals in the left, they, they can't it's hard to get opportunities. So for me, college is a way to pay back my parents an expensive way but is it is a way to pay back to make it um them coming here worth it and in high school like you know i was excited for college maybe because um i not maybe of course it was because i knew i could leave the house um that i would be on my own if things worked out um, that I wouldn't be taking this pointless biology class that I was hating at the moment, that I would be taking something that had to do with human rights, that had to do with, um, like, politics, whatever what was in my mind that time. Like, I had this idea that college was just more freedom and not just being outside the house, but in what I wanted to do. Um, so I was really excited for college for those reasons. Um, I even remember for years, I would tell people like, do I want to do journalism or do I want to 
do I want to do United Nations? You know, that I don't know what, but like something that like that wasn't science, which is very um in the Ethiopian community, if you're not being trying to be a scientist, some kind of engineer, lawyer, doctor, like what are you doing with your life? So that was exciting. That kind of dampened dampened is that a word? <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks. Uh dampened like the excitement. The yeah, experience experience of applying or talking about my dreams for college. It wasn't my parents necessarily, which was a surprise, but more like just family in general questioning my interest. Um, I think that might have even pushed me to go after what I want to even more because I didn't know what college I wanted to do. I was unlike most of my overachieving classmates. And I didn't really use my summer to, my summer before senior year going to different colleges and stuff like that. It wasn't until I had a meeting with my advisor with my dad, which was required of all seniors at my school. And my, my advisor was like, you haven't looked at colleges yet? And I was like, uh. And my dad was, of course, like, what are you doing? And then he started throwing out all these big name Ivy League schools and not saying I don't think I'm good enough for them, but I don't know if I want to be there. And then my advisor knew me well enough, so she said, oh, there's a school named Goucher College. You know, I know you well enough, so you might like it. It's a small school, so maybe that helped too. I know how you like to, you know, have one-on-ones with teachers. And I was like, okay, cool. I checked the website out. I watched a couple videos. I looked at maps. I was like, okay, this could be it. Talked to my dad. Told him I wanted to visit it. I visited the school. Um, And I'm not going to lie and say, oh my gosh, I could literally see myself sitting on the Great Lawn. No, it wasn't that much of a magical experience. But there was something telling me that while I was walking around this campus, I was like, I like trying to force myself to see myself here it was like I, I had like because it seemed out of the blue that a college I've never heard of fell into my lap but of course I was still looking at other schools and I think I visited Goucher again for our admitted students day and then that's when I was like okay I'm going I mean the financial package really did influence me definitely because college isn't cheap but I think if I didn't like the school at all I feel like a financial package wouldn't have swayed me that much so looking at Goucher I don't know that the stuff they were telling me about the school intrigued me like I mean Jose before I didn't like Jose used his Jose charm and had me and my dad convinced that this school would give me the best education. Um, most definitely. Meeting the people, like the my tour guide, I, I never really got to meet her again, but she seemed pretty cool. She was very welcoming. The Middle Students Day seemed nice. Like I got to meet some other people who were about to go to college too. And for some reason, knowing some people, um, like, 
vaguely, but just knowing of them, like, made me want to go to the school more because I was technically building a relationship. Am I answering the question? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I realize I go on tangents and I don't know sometimes. But, and to be honest, when applying to schools, I only applied to three. And Goucher being one of them. And not only, they all accepted me, but for terms of best package, like financially packaged, Goucher did that. For when I compared my visit to one of the other schools that I went to, I really felt more at home at Goucher. Like, I remember during that tour, because Goucher was the first school I toured, the second one I went to. Um, I don't know, I was just, I, my dad and I was thinking about Goucher the whole time. <laughs> and then some of the answers that our tour guide would give us about the school just didn't rub, like, me or my dad the right way. So, or I guess those are things that influenced me to go to college. Okay. Yeah. Plus, um, small class size. Because mm. if a professor doesn't know me, I promise you, I'm gonna feel like I don't care about the class. Mm. So having a chance to be intimate with like your classmates and the professor as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you believe that, despite Goucher being a predominantly white institution? you would still have a voice as a person of color and that your issues would be addressed on campus? This is an interesting question because I remember when just going through the college process, one of the things I kept looking at, because my school had this website where we could look at a general overview of all the stats involving with the college, one of them being diversity. Um... And I remember all of them would come pretty low, you know. And I come from a di- very diverse area, as I've said before. So, like, I didn't think I was going to have such a culture shock, but I knew it would feel different. Because if I already feel different, my AP classes, and those are just mixed in into my seven courses, then how am I going to feel on a class, and on a campus where it's like my AP class the whole time? And I was talking to my dad about it, and him... He has a mindset of, you know, opportunity. So he said, you shouldn't care because you're going there for your education. Don't worry about who's around you. And I mean, he has a point. But for me in that moment, I was very worried. Because even when I visited Galgen, um, it was, it wasn't, they weren't even open, I think. It was... Actually, I think the first day for first years during their um, orientation, because I remember seeing, like, groups moving. Um, But still, there was enough white people on that campus for me to know that I'm not a majority. But keeping my dad's words in mind, I, after a while, when looking at colleges, I had, I forced myself to push that like you know looking at diversity statistics behind in my head because he he is right I have to focus on what I'm going to gain from that college and so I didn't really think about you know what if something happened to me at that college where it needs to be reported or if 
I just have a concern as a person of color that just needs to be solved. Like, I don't even know if I learned about Cree during my first visit. So I think even without, I feel like if Cree was mentioned during my first visit, I would have thought about it. Like, huh, I wonder, you know, the history behind that, that kind of stuff. And I know for sure Korea already existed before I even toured a goucher. Um, and then maybe another reason why, besides my what my dad said of me not really caring or not care or putting that worry to the side, is that um, racist incidents would happen at my high school, but nothing would be done. So I kind of shrug it off at times. Like a white student or a white teacher will say something out of pocket, out of line, or and nothing would be done. For teachers, their excuse is that they have tenure. For white students, I mean, come on, they're quote-unquote cool, right? So, you know, they got their coon friends, and <laughs> they got their or, or token friends, um, let me say, um, that, you know, will cover them that will say, nah, 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 that was just joking, right? So there was really, you know, no point in fighting. You can have an opinion, but even that opinion might make, you know, you, quote-unquote, the aggressor. So why try? Or, you know, why expect any actual change? So I didn't really... One, I didn't really... I guess sum it up. One, I didn't think about what would happen if something happened to me or other students of color at Goucher's campus. And two, I had this mindset that, like, I can have all the pins that I want, but nothing will change. So I guess sum up that answer. Okay. Now that you are, have been a student for a little while and still are, do you feel adequately represented as a black student? Do you feel you have a voice in the classroom? Um, when I first came, like, my classes ranged. So I think maybe one or two of my classes were technically diverse. But most of my classes, um, there wouldn't be as many black students or I would be I think one of my classes, I was the only black woman. Yeah, I was the only, like, I think I was one of two black students, one of three black students, and I was the only black woman out of those three. It, so, I don't feel represented, really, in, like, okay. My brain is doing that thing again. Okay. I guess looking by year, looking at the different years, during my first year, and only, what was it? In my embodying lemonade class, led by Professor um, Aquel, that was a time I felt represented. I mean, it was about um, Beyonce, who's a black woman, but also we focused on different experiences involving blackness. And I did have other classes where I enjoyed, but I knew I was the minority in there. And, um, 
Then looking at my sophomore year, I think because I became more of an involved student in clothes that dealt with my identity as a black person and as a woman of color, um, that being um, Amoja, now known as Goucher's Black Student Union and Goucher's Women of Color Club, and then also working OSC, which um, is led by women and the person who directs the Office of Student Engagement is a black woman is where I felt representation for the first time but when I think of my major throughout my whole time at Goucher I don't see myself I'm an international relations major um the professors I've had so far um because IR is included into just it's just a it's under political science so far, I don't really have any bad things to say. I've had, like, some of my favorite professors really do come from that department, but I really am jealous of other Black students in different departments that get to see themselves within their major just a bit, because there's no Black person leading a class or a Black, like, forget even, like, wanting a Black woman. Like, I don't even have a Black person, um, and I don't even think there's a person of color in the in poli sci ir so and it's funny because we have classes that deal with like you know different regions of the world um even if a professor is you know has enough knowledge in that region at the end of the day they can't relate to that identity they can't say they know how it feels to be that person or how it feels to deal with that stereotype. And the classes are done really well, the ones I've done so far, so there's no doubt about it. I think what just hurts is knowing that if there's a topic that I can relate to, most of my classmates and my professor cannot. And it's like this sense of like loneliness within my major. And I, like, not even lonely... Oh, a bit of a loneliness. Like, not that I'm the only black person there. It's just there's not that many. Or people of color, women in general. But, like, yeah, a sense of loneliness. A sense of, like, there's no one I can look to. Now, of course, probably someone is like, you can just Google. Well, yeah, cool. Um, But you don't have to Google. <laughs> you see it right in front of you. And I want that experience. I really, or, and I, that might be maybe a reason why I even stay in my major, because sometimes growing up when I would notice there isn't representation I'm finding, I'm like, okay, then I guess I will be my own representation and a representation for whoever comes after, because if no one's doing it, you might as well. Um... I guess that's how it feels to be a, to be me at Goucher, that in spaces where I don't see represent myself represented, then it feels like I have to pick up the role and be like, all right, I guess I'll go and be the representation that I was looking for, which kind of sucks in a way. Like, of course, it's like, wow, look at you being your own representation. Because, of course, black women have to do everything, right? But 
it kind of sucks because I, I want someone to look up to that looks just like me as anyone else. Like, the closest that I've had to that is Professor, um, Professor Dewey Sebla. She's a peace studies professor, um, so different department. But, and also, she has that shared identity of an Ethiopian woman. So, like, that's a bonus um, because I don't really come across... She's the only Ethiopian professor I've come across. Um, but I know that does have an impact on... I know that has to have an impact on her Black Peace Studies students because I know from just being a... Not even a Peace Studies... Just, like, she knows I'm an IR major. So... But the way, like, she makes sure I'm okay, the way that... Or I'm pretty, she does for all of her students. She makes sure that I'm okay, that she wants me to succeed, but also not work myself to death. Like these, and sees me like in a crowd of how many students are gouging? Like sixteen hundred. Like like I feel seen when I'm in her class, and I'm not saying that my IR professors don't make me feel seen. But sometimes that is the case. Could I have been in classes where I don't feel seen? Um, that issues that I've come across that it has to be me that brings it up and not my professor waking up and seeing that issue. Um, or nothing being done at all, which just like where I grew up is what I'm used to. Um, do you mind if I elaborate on more on that? Sure. Um, like two examples um my first my first year spring semester yeah spring semester of my first year I took a comparative politics course um that same class where there was only there's not that many students of color there's only three black students me being one of them and then also being the only black one in that class I um that was the first poli sci class I've taken in college I was very excited because I liked what we were going to tackle. Um, we even had a book that um, focused on a country that was like the author like made a like a book talking about. I'm trying to remember which African country, but it was like about the government system that was corrupt. Like that kind of representation in our reading was like it. Like I truly enjoyed the class for its topic. But something that I'll never forget is how I felt in the class. First feeling is, oh my gosh, am I good enough? Because imposter syndrome is it loves to show up all the time for me. Um, because a lot of these students in my class, you know, were very like, oh, I've taken, I've learned this in this other poli sci class I've taken, or this is, you know, my, I'm a senior or whatever. Well, this is my first, you know, 100 level. <laughs> poli sci class and um at first I, I was struggling but I remember my professor really pushed me I really appreciated that and I um was starting to do really well I was participating a little bit here and there in our classes um I was taking great notes all the things that you know that a good student should do 
my professor is the kind of professor who, um, <laughs> or that professor is the kind of professor who loves to really say who did really well on a paper, on an exam, whatever. And at the time, I'm very in my corner, very quiet. I have to be asked to talk. You know, I'm, I'm that kind of person in this moment. So we had a midterm. It was very, you know, she, she's, you know, the type to give very difficult midterms. I remember studying really hard and everything. And um, so it's after our break. It's a, after, yeah, I think midterm, then fall break, we came back. Yeah, and so she talks about the grades in the class you know, things that, her reflections, what she thinks we need to improve on. And then she said, now for the highest grade. So prior to this, um, she emailed everyone their grades on the exam. So I didn't know that she was actually going to do some of the class. She apparently told me I had the highest grade in the class, which was a huge win for me for someone who really struggled in the first couple weeks of the course. But because I'm so quiet and sit in the corner and I don't like being called on, I didn't really expect her to bring it up, like, who got what. So she was handing it back, and out loud she said, Lelise, who had the highest grade in the exam? I quietly said thank you, and I took my exam. The class, um, I felt eyes, and, you know, I kind of shrugged, forced myself to shrug it off because I thought I was just getting into my head again. I know how I feel when people look at me. Um, it makes me anxious. So I, I kind of, you know, shook it off. We had a paper and an exam. And um, I remember for the paper, it was a really big paper. And she talked about the class, the paper with the best score. And it so happened. And I didn't know. Um, because I worked really hard on the paper, but I was, you know, she's the type of professor who will find something that's not perfect. She said, the person with the best score, and it was me. And the same feeling of stares happened again. And, of course, we learned, like, our grades of our papers right before the uh, final exam. And I tried to shrug it off, but something felt different until I was talking to another student of color in my class. And... She's like, yeah, I feel so bad the way people look at you in that class. And then we kind of just went on to our studying. But that little comment, um, in a way, kind of confirmed my feelings in my in that class. Um, I already felt like an outcast in my own class. Um, I didn't really feel like I was really making friends. I mean, there was nice people here and there, but we were all, like, even the people I would say hi to, we were separated. And that comment alone kind of made it clear that I am seen. I like, I don't know. When I think back, I wonder if it was a white student who had the best grade in the class, would that student get those kind of stares? Would that white student um, be barely approached to when it comes to like, oh, who wants to study with who? Or who, um, 
you know, do you have thoughts on this? Like, these kind of interactions, I always wonder. Um, and then a second time of being a black woman in a poli-sci IR space is I took a Middle Eastern politics course during, I think, a whole year later, um, during my sophomore year. And <laughs> there was a discussion about Islamophobia in the media. And this white student, um, as usual, wanted to play devil's advocate um, in a way that he was basically justifying how Islamophobia, because he said, oh, you know, you can't, like, we can't help the pictures that they show in media. And I remember replying back to him because for some reason something clicked in my head that day, like, just, like, you have to say something. And I remember while we were talking, the constant, like, mansplaining and interrupting that he would do, and other students would. Um, and then the same experience in that class, a lot of, I mean, this wasn't just as, like, as a black woman, like, a lot of the women in the class would get mansplained or over-talked or not really heard from in class discussions. And my white professor was not doing anything about it until I had sit her down, or I didn't sit her down. I came to her asking about one issue, and then when she asked me, is there really any other issues in the class, I mentioned that, and she said, really? I haven't noticed. And I don't know, when I think of that class, and I think of the other class, and I think of every other experience I've had as a black student of one trying to you're already i'm already struggling to feel like i belong in this space so the way people are treating me um you know it it doesn't make me feel any better thanks and then two professors not really doing their role you're like people think oh well your professor's not racist my professor doesn't have to be racist my professor doesn't have to say the n-word professor just has to do their job why does it have to be up to the student to point something out? And going back to that class during my first year, what if I had the courage to go to my professor and how I was feeling in that class? Would she have actually done anything or would she have vouched for my white classmates? So when looking at, feel, when looking at rep, feeling represented at Goucher, people think it just ends and stops there and seeing that there's someone who looks like you. It's not only that, but like, what do you do to make sure people who are underrepresented feel like they belong in that space? Because I think Goucher has that issue really big. They think that if you just slap a picture of students of different identities hanging out together, um, that we solved racism it's not an issue here folks but it is I mean if it isn't then why do students keep talking about it we're not looking to be angry and we're not bored that we're trying to find an issue if it's my daily experience so. <laughs> yep that's how I answer that question okay um this is the last question for this section. 
Do you ever feel motivated by your surroundings and Goucher's community to do better in your personal life? Whether that means like, like your personal projects or your future goals? Like Goucher and the people around it motivate me is the question? Yeah, like even it could be like the resources offered by Goucher or like Goucher's environment, the way that it kind of caters to your academic needs, that type of stuff. Yeah, I think that's actually what makes Goucher so complicated when I when I when I think about how I feel about it is that when I was trying to get a job for the first time, I went to the um what do they call themselves, the CEO office. When I really need help on a paper, I go to the writing center. When I'm feeling down and I need a good pick-me-up to make it like, hey, don't forget, the next day is going to feel better, I go to the people of OSC. When, when I need a bit of encouragement when it comes to, a, like, for example, when I was applying for study abroad and I was trying to get into my program, I went to my study abroad advisor and to another professor who I really love, and they were the ones who really encouraged me to say, you can get this. You definitely have, you know, you're, what's, what's the term? Qualified. Um, I really don't think I would have the mindset that I have um, without going to Goucher. I know the resources, like, academically, like, most if not all yeah only most of my professors have been so amazing and encouraging even if I even professors who aren't in who don't teach classes within my major have all been encouraging and opening and um especially on one-on-ones with my favorite professors have made it like they they know I can do it and they're open to whatever I need when I think outside of like academics, um, I think my like my peers, or whether it be in my clubs, um, the house that I live, or the specialty house that I live in, um, my coworkers in both jobs that I've had, um. Because you come across people that are doing amazing things and in a way that motivates you to do things. It's weird because you could just be sitting down with like a great cloud over your head and then you see one person that you really know and they're like, oh my gosh, I just finished this um, like experiment. Like, look what I found. And for some reason that makes me want to get up and say, you know what, like I can, I can do what I see that's impossible. Like, even when I'm not on campus, which is wild, um, because technically I'm a Goucher student right now, but I'm a study abroad student. And when I came home, I didn't feel motivated at all. Um, I felt so disconnected. And, like, like, what's the point of doing anything? Like, I was ready to literally throw everything into the air and say whatever. Um, but at the same time, so I'm a first year mentor 
uh, again this year. And they already had their group chat because they started training while I was abroad. And Christine, who's one of the leaders for um, First Year Mentor and also is the head person for the new student program's office, she said, hey, like she reached out to um, mentors who were studying abroad and said, if you want to join the group chat, just let me know. And I did right before um, Goucher students started their first online day of classes. And in that group chat, um, everyone that day took their first day of online class pictures. And I woke up, uh, like, woke up to all these pictures of people getting ready for online class. And for the first time since coming home, I got up, I started cleaning my room. I opened the blinds to let sunlight through. I worked on a paper that I had due the next day that I was able to finish. And I mean, I, I don't think that's like an only Goucher thing. I feel like anyone can say that like, you know, anyone online can make them feel like moving. But that, like nothing was making me motivated until I saw people who I work with get up and do what I felt was impossible. And I think Goucher gives me that a lot. Like, on like to know that Goucher even gave me that off campus does make me feel like going to Goucher is worth it. Even though it has its issues, it like it makes it makes it worth it. It shouldn't have all these issues. I'm not gonna say these issues are okay. But yeah, I, I feel like it's with what Goucher offers me, I don't regret going to that school. Okay. Alright, well that closes up the background questions and now we're going to shift gears to focus on the events surrounding the hate crime of fall 2018 like the event itself and what was came what came out of it um the morning of february 14th 2018 the student population received an email from vice president and dean of students brian coker informing them of anti-black graffiti on hebeck jeffrey's first floor do you remember where how you felt when you learned this news and where you were um i remember it's my sophomore year um i remember <laughs> i don't know why all of a sudden i'm now remembering that the day before was some kind of guac meeting i remember like hanging out with people like everything felt normal the day before and waking up late like i think i had work that day what day did it say it was? Sorry. It was a Wednesday. I believe oh, yeah, yeah. I believe it was a Wednesday. The email that came out? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, the email came out Wednesday. I for sure had worked that day at OSC. So that would explain why I didn't wake up really early that day. Because my shift started a bit later than typically when my classes start. I remember reading the email... And the weird thing is, like, I had questions, but I didn't feel anything. Which sounds kind of messed up, because I know how I felt in the end. I think... 
And I think because, and a lot of students I know could like criticize that email of how vague it was, but I think that's probably why I didn't really feel anything because of how vague it was. And it, like, I wish I could read that email again um, to read word for word and why, figure out where, like what word was it that made me feel not much but I still kind of shrugged and went to work and did what I need to do. And then it wasn't until when I was learning details from other students is when I started to feel things. Mm. Uh, do you believe, if you can recall, do you believe that the response from administration and the general student body was adequate? Adequate? like the first response in terms of in terms of um like the waves of information that we kind of got perhaps or any element of it the um, idea of the different clubs that was kind of coming out and speaking on it and the way that we our information was relayed to us um i think everything was a mess um the fact that i learned more information from my peers and I know it took a. It must be something for me to hear it because usually when rumors go around Goucher, it doesn't hit my ears. I usually tend to be the coolest one, so it must have been really spreading like wildfire through students than administration. Um, administration's first response, like it, it just felt like they left me in the dark but then I found a way around it but that angered me because like if if you're the professional you should be the one to tell me what I need to know I shouldn't be hearing from other students um when I think of the whole student body's response I know I was more I was angrier with the student body than with administration because it wasn't administration that made that act. It was someone from the student body. And I know that everyone else was walking around. Like, anyone who wasn't a black student, let's be honest, was walking around as if everything was fine. Of course, like, I guess those who, who have friends that identify as black were probably more concerned. I don't know. I don't know. I know for my fat, for my, for myself, um, that my non-black friends were like, "Dang, I can't believe this happened." So if there was a sense of concern, but I, I can't speak for. But as a student body as a whole, like I was so upset because I felt like no one else cared but black students. I still had to go to class, and also administration not really telling their faculty and staff unless their faculty and staff knew already. So one of my professors had a class and was, and later she apologized because she said, if I knew this was happening, I wouldn't have gone normal as usual. So it was just like, I, I just feel a sense of anger when I remember it now because for students that love to claim social justice, everyone was real quiet and it's not like what really happened was only being known to black students everybody tells you know 
things to everybody. So clearly, if not all, most students knew like more details um, than what the email was giving. So why was it that only black students were caring? So, yeah. Okay. Was this the first hate crime that you were on campus to witness? If not, can you describe the first one you experienced, even if it wasn't directly targeting the black community? Um, I do remember um, when looking back on this with a friend, she said, um, she said she um, identifies as Muslim. So she said, I remember when something Islamophobic happened and there wasn't really a big turnout. Now, she's just, like, Muslim and Black, so she has both identities. So she wasn't, I guess, saying it in a way to downplay what happened, but she said, and I, the thing is, I feel like I even remember getting an email about something Islamophobic being written, but I don't remember thinking, like, you know, really hard about it. Like, I know I thought about it twice, like, dang, I can't believe I have a bad, like, there was a lack of an uproar, which says a lot um, about the student body. And, but for what I experienced, I guess to actually answer the question, no. Um, I don't remember, and if there was, it probably was just like what happened with this incident where the administration said something vague and it was so vague that I don't remember it okay um at what point did you become aware of the blackout protest that was being organized for that following Friday November 16th um so I so I've been on the Mojo slash Scouter BSU board since the end of my freshman year, first year, um, all the way to the summer, starting to sophomore year. So that day, um, I think that day or maybe the day before, we, I just remember a lot of us were in OSC that day when we were learning the information and before I went to class, we all agreed that we were going to hold a emergency meeting that night, like that Wednesday night that we found out, like got the email and everything. And it was going to be in Quebec, which actually, if you think about it, kind of wasn't smart since the thing happened in Quebec, but it was the biggest space at the moment that we could hold things um, without people kind of just walking in. And it was in that meeting that we led, that we let students voice their opinions, their feelings, and then the idea of having some kind of blackout. I remember it clearly because I think, who was it? I'm trying to remember the meeting that day because there was a lot of emotions in the room, a lot of, um, like, especially first years at that time, really made up that room which kind of hurt for me when I think about it because that was their first semester on campus and they're dealing with this I, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody what was it? I think it was Nay I remember 
she was the one who said something about we need because people were trying to think of ideas of what to do because i remember at some point like ridwan like stopped the <laughs> conversation and he was like look i'm glad we're sharing how we're feeling but like we need to there there has to be action that follows this like what are we gonna do and people were popping ideas left and right left and right and then i think name was the one who said something about we need to do something unifying us as a whole like like maybe a blackout or something because some people kind of eh, like i don't know and i said no, no 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 that's a good idea like that that's like unifying like we should do that and then people had like that kind of combined with people's ideas of a protest um how to do that protest like was all over the place but we all settled at some point mary fisher I think we planned for a Friday, maybe, or a Thursday, I think is when it happened. I'm kind of blinking. Um, so for that to happen. So I was aware from the beginning. Um, I guess to add to my answer, when it really hit me that we were going to do a protest, um, I don't know. I think it was when people were actually showed up the next day to help with planning. Um, is when it really hit me that wait we're actually doing this we're actually going to do something um, to th- th- that's not normal on campus if that makes sense um, yeah so that's when I became aware and then I guess when it really hit me that we were doing it and then when it really really hit me it's like um the first chant that we did at, I think we started at 9 a.m. that day of the blackout. Yeah. Okay. Um, could you describe some of the activities that were done throughout the blackout and how you felt throughout the event? Okay. Like just the day or everything that led up? The day. Okay. Um, I remember the night before, like, just sleeping and like, okay, um, I'm gonna do this. And I remember waking up really early. Um, for me, usually when I'm really nervous or excited about something, it's hard for me to sleep. So I wake up easily. So that day I woke up easily. I showered, I put on all my clothes and all that. And before you know it, um, it was almost 9 a.m. The um, idea was that once every hour, we would have a moment to do chants. And the first one would set off the blackout. I remember feeling very nervous um, now that I think back at it. Because... As I said before, my background, I'm not really the type to kind of stand in the center more of the side but here I was with a small group of my peers um which actually kind of worried me that I didn't see many people I mean I know it was the morning but I was like dang maybe everyone freaked out and said that no I'm not gonna do it but I was already there so I said well I'm going to see this through I already called out of work and I already told my professors I'm not going to class so here I go 
it it even after the first chant it didn't really feel real even though it hit me that we were doing it but then um throughout the day every hour of just you know sitting in mary fisher music being played um people playing games i know i was going in and out of osc um either to grab markers um or whatever i was doing people were laughing people were talking about what was going on and then when it you know got closer to afternoon more and more students showed up and it was a lot that like chairs were being moved around like it felt like everywhere i turned there was a black student or an ally there which surprised me because i was like what i think i went to osc and i came out and i was like where did all these students come from so i had the sense of comfort even though i was nervous the whole time um and then when music, like, you know, was a bit more upbeat and people were dancing, you know, I've never really done a protest before, <laughs> as probably most of Goucher students. Um, like, prior to this, my form of protest was in writing. Like, when I would write about something um, in high school, when I would do journalism or... Um, talking about issues at my high school or issues in the world that I felt like no one was talking about. That was my form of protest where I got to say something without physically standing. This was the first time I physically had to show my presence throughout the whole day. So it was a lot of up and down feelings of like, dang, (laughs) I know why we're doing this, but like up moments where I'm like, I'm not by myself and I see others that look like me who are feeling the same way. And I, I guess going back to people dancing, um, you know, in between the every hour chance that I felt like got more and more emotional each hour. Um, um, I think it, it was nice to have both, I guess, because one, I felt like the, for chance, it felt like it was addressing like that emotional pain and then dancing like felt like we were saying, hey, this is our space too. And we're taking up space in a, in a positive light. If, if I'm making sense, I don't know. I feel kind of all over the place with my words. Mm. Um, I think the most emotional part was the end when we allowed students to come in to go in a come in a circle after I think it was maybe in place of a chant if we did chance I don't remember I think we did chance yeah and we allowed students to say how they felt their experiences as a black student and um, just how they feel about what's going on and um, something, I know for me, I was one of those students who were in the middle. Now, if you ask me today what I said word for word, I can't recite it. Um, not that I expect to, anyone to think I could recite it. But um, I 
know the reason why I can't remember what I said word for word because it felt like I remember when I first went to circle my awkward self kind of you know had a low voice and then as I was talking um I first talked about how I felt angry with the student body not really caring and then next like I'm not gonna say I blacked out because <laughs> I, I was still functioning I know I didn't black out but it felt like something kind of took over me and words just it was just a bunch of word vomit that made sense like no one recorded it or anything so I really don't know what I said but something I said I, I said something that I just I remember I kept getting louder and louder and louder and the room was quiet which kind of struck me because when I stared at people after I yelled a bit I was like oh crap I'm in the middle of the circle how did I get here and then I I remember after a while like when I finished I left and that and I think seeing, knowing that I and the other students kind of spoke was emotional but comforting because, I don't know, when, when I used to write, I'm not much of a writer anymore, but when I used to write, especially on topics in my high school paper, I felt like I was writing for those who couldn't speak up or who were afraid to speak. So someone took the stand so someone else can at least say how they're feeling. That's how that circle felt. Even if I didn't speak that day, other students made me feel heard, even if I didn't speak. And then near the end of our thing, um, we had everyone sit on the stairs for Mary Fisher, and we specifically did it um, when dinner time started because we knew students who were avoiding Mary Fisher all day thought we were gone, but we wanted to make one last stand. And so we, me and some other students took parts of a speech and read each line. I really wanted, I was one of the people who thought of that idea because not that I think the speech wouldn't have been powerful if it was read by one person, but I felt like it was more impact. It would have more impact if it was read by different students spread out in the crowd to show that, hey, you know, this is not just one student. This is the black student body. Like, this is how we're feeling. These are our faces. Um, and this is what this event has done to us. And then ending that um, protest with chants. I guess then, you know, people got up. Technically, the protest was over. You know, we did what we did. I Oh, I forgot to mention this, but I remember the news came by. That was interesting because I really didn't think news were actually going to come to us. Um. Um, I don't know it, it, it was technically over but it didn't feel over like people were coming up and saying oh great job but you know it's weird I, I didn't feel like I did a great job 
because I, I don't know, like, what I mean by that is, like, it, it felt weird congratulating someone, if you get what I mean, because mm. it's not like this was a capstone project, it's not like um, this was the end of a party, this, this came up because a student decided to threaten the safety of black students and it's not like it was the first time it happened to black students but for the first time in like you know in a while black goucher black students were like okay we've had enough because the last time i heard goucher students protesting was a couple years before i came to goucher so it's been a while And, of course, that buildup comes up again, so I don't know why everyone thought that students were going to be quiet forever. I remember I didn't go to bed right after that. I was in a meeting with other black students discussing, you know, what are the next steps now that we've made our voices heard, um, which that lasted for hours. But how my night ended was just a, um, it was, it was really late at night when our meeting ended, right? And it was time to go back to our dorms, but we all lived in different places. So we had to ask PubSafe to watch us, or we went off in buddy groups, which feels like kind of a sad ending, <laughs> because... Yeah, I protested, but, like, at the end of the day, I'm still going through um, what I'm scared of, the reason, the thing that motivated me to be a part of this blackout, because, I mean, we all know who it was now, but we didn't know who they were then, we still didn't know who they were for, I think, even two weeks after that protest, and I didn't know what they were capable of, because who said they were going to stop at their words? And that's a natural fear. That that's a that's a fear that makes sense, um, knowing how um, what happened, what's been happening to Black people the whole time, throughout history. And then if you have a president who was elected in twenty sixteen, the man behind the spike in hate crimes, then of course I'm not going to take this lightly. So, I guess uh, yeah, that's the description of um, the blackout in eyes and how do you in retrospect how do you feel about the event's execution is there anything you would improve or wish could have been better in the moment of um I feel like we could have been a bit more organized I mean I can't it's not even really pointing fingers really because this happened all so quickly and we organized something so quickly but at the same time if we didn't act quick enough what would have happened you know um because it wasn't until the Monday after like the Monday after that Friday that the professor like professors organized some candle thing which is a whole different discussion to be honest <laughs> And I feel like that would have never happened unless black students 
you know, brought attention to the issue. But I, I feel like there were a lot of loose ends, you know. I don't know if everyone was on the same page. Because from what I heard, there was... <laughs> and I, I, again, this is what I heard. I don't know if it actually happened. But I heard, like, there were some students who would come up to people who were touring Goucher that day saying, ah, you know, screw Goucher. <laughs> um, you know, don't come here, that kind of stuff. Which, to me, isn't really appropriate because... Um, you know, it wasn't the administration who did it. I mean, how an administration handles it might, you know, influence if you want to come to the school or not, but you should not be doing that to people who are just touring the campus. Um, so it's like we were unified, but like not all in the same page. And I felt, I feel like if there was a way to change that, if there's a way to have everyone on the same page that would have probably strengthened this much better. Mm -hmm. I think another thing I would change, I think because not everyone was on the same page, is even what affected, is affected, yeah, affected um, our ability to enact those next steps after the blackout. Yeah. Okay. Um, Okay. We're on... There's a few more questions left, but we're now on the third segment, which is focusing on the aftermath. Uh, on November 30th, 2018, it was announced by the Baltimore Sun that Finn Arthur, a biracial student, was the culprit of the hate crimes. How did you feel learning that Arthur was biracial? Did it change your feelings on the hate crimes itself, themselves? Um... So, I remember when I learned about it, I wasn't on campus. Um, quick side note, I was a part of this, like, program at Goucher that took me to a whole different campus for a weekend. So, I wasn't there, but I was in a predominantly white space dealing with some racist people. And in the middle of all that, I learned who it was. So, it was one hell of experience I'm never gonna forget I think looking him in the eyes like in the picture mm. the thing is I didn't think about him being biracial like not saying I didn't believe this biracial like I, I noted that he wasn't you know you know blonde hair blue eyes or whatever like like you know but my first thoughts was I can't believe you did that I can't believe like you thought this was okay like I like my thoughts were not focused on him being biracial my thoughts was on his actions then after you know when people were like oh wow he's biracial da 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 like you know after I like when I was listening to those conversations after I processed who it was um then my mind was like oh my gosh, no one's going to take us seriously now. Because I know for me, and I feel like my message still stands, a lot of, t a lot of people are like, white students, you need to hear this. And the second he came out as biracial, like it came out that he was biracial, that I was just like, these white students, these white people, 
are gonna say haha well it's one of yours you know um But the one thing that did not change is I did not think that what he did, like, I, I knew what he did was wrong. Because I can never forget how he made me and other black students feel, especially the black students on that floor. I don't even know them personally, but I know their life at Gaucho for a moment was not a regular go for day, you know? Like, it was, you like, they might have had, I don't know. But, like, they might have even had to leave their rooms for a while because they don't know who did it, you know, up to that point. Like, you halted people's lives. So him being biracial, specifically being mixed with, like, you know, not like, when people think biracial, like, it really could be anything. But him being specifically having that density of being black and white, black specifically, like, did not change how I felt about him, how I felt about what he did. Um, no, because I still wanted him to be held accountable for what he did and because of the impact it had on black students. Um, yeah, that was the question. Just ask me how I felt, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. As of today, if you type Goucher hate crime 2018 into Google News, there are at least three articles which attribute the hate crime itself being a hoax. How does the branding of the hate crime as a hoax make you feel? Hurt, angry. Because um, I do remember hearing about that about a few months after. Because... I don't know. Like, it's weird because even though we got on the news, I didn't think the world really cared. I mean, not that the Daily Mail is much of a world news. It's pretty trash, in my opinion. But to know that, like, the Daily Mail reported on it, my sister was listening to a podcast, and it wasn't high, like, it wasn't deeply talked about, but she, like, texted me, she said, why is this podcast that I listen to brought up your school? Like, there, <laughs> I think the situation um, was enough to at least catch some people's eyes and to know that something that hurt black students is being shrugged off as nothing pisses me off because it makes us, like, the hoax makes it seem like <laughs> this guy was in cahoots with the BSU and said, let's see what happens. Like, this is an episode of Dear White People or something. Like, no. <laughs> Um, for anyone that ever comes up to me and says that was a hoax how dare you because you you were not on that campus if you saw the news clips alone that should say that it wasn't a hoax the way people expressed themselves surely wasn't a joke the way People reacted, black students, people of color, white students. The way we all reacted doesn't feel like it was a hoax. Also, it just, I hope I'm not going on a tangent. Like that, knowing that just takes me back to the quote-unquote revealing of 
the guy being mixed um, did amongst black students. I'm not going to lie. I know for me that I'm like, look, he did what he needed to do, so he needs to pay for it. But other students within the black community were like, wait a minute, he's my friend. Wait a minute. But he's, you know, black though. So like, it just reminds me of like divisions within a community that was united for the first time in forever. Crumbling because who did it? (laughs) A biracial student who is black and white. Beautiful. Um, a year and a half later, what actions have you seen the administration undertake to better address the needs of black students in the wake of that event? Um, I know one thing was cameras, just because one of the issues was that like the cameras at our school don't really work. And I know like into my junior year, I saw a camera on the first floor of my building which is comforting because, like, say something happened like that again, like, they don't have to go through all these one... Like, like they don't have to go through all, like, wh- how many one cards beeped in there. They get to see physically who went in and out. Um, because since Gautier, I don't know about now, but since the last time I was there, like, it's not like other big colleges where there's someone you sign in with before you go to any dorm. Like, you can literally open the door for someone and not know if they go to Gautier or not. Um, besides that, I don't know. Like, could I say what I wish happens? Yes, sure. That's one of my um, questions. What are some things that you would like to see moving forward? Oh, well, one of my first things was like, what I wished happened during that thing is that I wish everyone was like guaranteed therapy. Um, that like, um, or like more lenience when it came to like academic grades and exams and stuff like that. I was lucky to have professors who were a bit more lenient, but I know not everyone can say that the same about their professors, especially if their professors aren't really known for being that great with students of color or just black students. Um, so I guess seeing forward, uh, looking forward, um, I know there are black faculty and staff, not black faculty and staff, non-black faculty and staff that have offended and hurt um, and outcasted black students on this campus. So I want to see them more held accountable. I want to see if there's a way to overlook this tenure thing, because I don't care if you served enough years to, you know, save your spot. If you're making me and other black students uncomfortable, if you're making any student uncomfortable, then I need I need a revolt or you need to be gone. Um, I want to actually see representation within my college because if it only has to be in where I work that I see representation, like, that's great. I'm glad that my uncle both of my on-campus jobs make me feel seen and heard. It's probably what keep, it's what keeps me doing those jobs, to be honest, even after the hard days. But if I don't see that in my academics, like, that's a problem, because 
again, I love my jobs, but I'm I'm originally at college because I am a student. I can't work at the college. Like, like I'm not. I didn't come to work and not do school. Like I came to do both. So to know that I don't see much improvement in that is disappointing. Um, there hasn't been um, really a hate crime since then, so I don't know if Goucher has improved in responding to hate crimes. I would hope that in the future that there's a better handling because to me, it just seemed like Goucher's first response was to cover up and get the news media to not really look at Goucher. Because I do remember literally the night that the news, like, while black students were gathering, um, the media was interviewing, um, like, people. And it didn't make, it, even the news, like, reported, like, stories that made the incident not that big of a deal. So... Hopefully, administration will care more about how students are feeling and properly giving information than cover-ups by the time the next... Not that I want an external hate crime to happen again, but if there was so to happen again. Um, what else would I want to see? I don't know. Like... I want to see an actual, like, I feel like with all these things and more, will actually make Goucher seem like they're actually working towards the goal of being a diverse, like, not, like, actually, no, they're, they're already doing their goal in becoming a more diverse school, apparently to their statistics, and apparently to President Kent during the Emoja BSA, universe, like, reunion was, like, we have 300 African Americans, you know, like apparently we're doing great. I just need Goucher to actually work on their inclusion and holding people accountable because you can have, you can even have a predominantly black and brown school. And I know it's because I come, I come from that background, but if you're not holding your non like you're you're not holding your non-black like or just any teacher in general like if you're not holding these problematic professors these offensive like staff and faculty members accountable then you might as well like like what are you doing you know you can have all the diversity you want but if you're not making those students feel hurt if you're not making those students feel like they belong that if they speak up, that they won't be shut down, then you're not making this campus any better. Okay. I think this is going to be the last question. I'm going to blend a few of the ones I have to address it. Okay. Do you believe that the institution has been implementing adequate enough, how to say programming like and I say programming I refer to maybe first year mentor trainings or even um the diversity trainings that surveys that we had to do online in order to foster a more inclusive community and do you think that in a situation pertaining to race putting you in danger again your 
non-PLC friends slash allies would know what to do to defend you? Um, okay. When I think of first-year mentor, because um, not only did I participate as a first-year, but um, I became a mentor myself, I think, because the goal of first-year mentor classes is to not solve, not saying that people think we're supposed to solve the questions, but just to, just to say, is to start a conversation. And I think from what we're trained to do and the practice, like, and what we do, like, in our classrooms, we do a pretty good job on, like, having an appropriate, like, conversation starter for first years to think about when it comes to um, diversity, different privileges, especially when it relates to race. And every year we improve. So... I think for first-year mentors, like, I heard, like, um, I get like, it wasn't always like this, and they had a lot of work to do, so I guess coming in now must be pretty good for all the work that it went through, but for other things, like the, not surveys, but I guess I don't know what to call them, the thing they implemented recently, I can see what they're doing. Because I do remember hearing about, like, requiring students to take every year because even, like, after you take your first year classes, you're not, unless you take a class related to, like, race or race comes up in your class, you're never in a space, you may not be in a space where you get to talk about those different identities and how they, you know, are impacted in the space that you're in. So I see, like, having these, like, online trainings, I guess you can call it, is to kind of force people to, you know, remember, to practice. So I like the intention, in a way, because in a predominantly white campus, people think that you, you know, talk to a black person once and you're fine, and it's a lot more than that. And there's some things that I was taking during the quiz, I'm like, I know this, this is common sense for me, but unfortunately, that may not be common sense to somebody else. Now, it interfering with people being able to register for class or get a, like, you know, register. I don't know. Maybe that's to do with just class registration or room draw. I think that's the, it interferes with your class registration if you don't complete it in time. Mm-hmm. Um, it will hold, it put a, I think I believe it puts a hold on your account for a little while. Yeah, so, I don't, I mean, I don't know how I feel about that exactly. I mean, I guess that's the the incentive they thought of, because, you know, nowadays when a class or a professor says, you'll get a $25 gift card, I don't think that makes everyone want to do it, because some people will shrug that off. So I'm feeling mixed about that. But what I feel off about is, I guess, what's within each of these, like the diversity training. Um, I don't think, I'm glad they didn't choose like Goucher students to do it. I feel like that's a bit too much pressure. So I'm glad for that. I think, I don't know. It, I really don't know how I feel about it. Cause I took it, 
not too long ago, actually. And there were some questions where I felt like, eh, I mean, I guess that could be the response. Like, like I don't know if you've taken it yet, but, like, one of the things is that, oh, how should this person respond? And if they're, they're like, you know, some of the options, like, A through C, there's, like, A, that's obviously wrong. But then, like, B and C both seem right, but it's actually one of them is right. And say the answer is B, but I can actually see how C can be correct. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of thing. Um, I think the length of it, I mean, but at the same time, when it comes to diversity and race, I would be upset if it was like a quick five-minute thing because that would tell me Gaucho doesn't care. I feel like there should be an alternative when we're allowed to be all on campus again to take like an online or an in-person thing because some people might actually be better learners in person um of course who teaches you know who leads that kind of discussion you know that's a whole different thing um and how long those discussions should be but i feel like there should be a bit of alternatives like not just because like sitting in front of a computer for every like doesn't work for everyone some people may really be able to learn through an online training and that's great while some people are not gonna care they're just gonna click through it as fast as they can mute the sounds when the video is playing and keep on going so i i I appreciate the effort but i think it's just there's just some tweaking that needs to be done here and there and also, if it's limited to just online trainings, then, like, I feel like, you know, Gaucher kind of, you know, wipes their hands. They're like, all right, we did what we did, but to me, that's not enough. You're still doing the bare minimum. And maybe some people will think I'm being too much, but I really think with everything that I see in the world, I, I will never think what I'm doing is too much. Because if you think talking about race is uncomfortable, I, I promise you it's way more uncomfortable when you're in the middle of it, when you're the subject. So whatever it takes to have those uncomfortable conversations, like, you know, of course, with people like, you know, being able to step out, get some air, of course, but like whatever it takes, like to reach the this point where I'm like, okay, I actually feel like that there's this like, actual concern for everyone to be aware and then also not just be aware but like be able to practice it then that's when I feel like Goucher has done what they need to do but right now they're just starting and then what was the second part of the question do you think in a situation pertaining to race putting you in danger again your non-POC friends and or allies would know what to do and maybe how to support you based off of the trainings or just in general the trainings can be supplemental but in general as well based on the trainings maybe it'll have some effect on some people the ones who can actually learn with just a computer screen but i really don't think um the online training is really gonna change people um or for students who were here during the hate crime non-black students who were here during that I feel like 
for those who actually care and were actually upset that they'll that if something were to happen again they would actually want to do something or actually try to find like you know here like looking out for you know will there be a blackout or looking out for calls for allies and stuff like that that's that's what i want to believe um I'm usually a pessimistic person, so I, I try to. But a part of me says, what if people don't care again? Because student safeties were student safety was literally threatened. Like there were people on their floor, black students in general, like we're just especially those who were on that floor, their safety was threatened. And students really weren't moved by that. I like it really does make me ask what will it take for people to care because it's like if the threat of danger does not make you want to get up and move like does it really have to take when someone is actually hurt so to answer your question I want to believe that people will do something like outside of my like close friends like I want to believe that non-black students my peers will actually want to help, want to step in, want to hear what they are needed for, how they can use their own privilege to help in making us be a more united front. But will I be surprised if everything feels all over the place again? No, I will not. Because if people didn't care about a threat, I don't know what will besides the actual threat being enacted on, which terrifies me because no one should have to be the victim of that in order for people to care. Okay. That's my last question. Thank you. No problem. Um, anytime, Josh. Like, if you need any help with anything, you you know my number. <laughs>